Hey everybody, Sean King here. We're rerunning some of our favorite episodes of The Breakdown and other North Star podcasts. The, the, the Breakdown. Almost 30 years to the day, the LAPD brutally beat Rodney King. Now, this was before cell phone videos, but a man just two blocks over from his back porch filmed it with his camcorder. Had he not filmed it, we wouldn't even know that it ever happened. And it was so clear that the officers not only violated policy, which is one thing, but that they violated the law over and over and over again. Yet, not a single officer was found guilty of a single crime. And the question that I want us to ask today as I continue to unpack and explain what's happening at the Derek Chauvin trial regarding the murder of George Floyd is how much has this country changed in 30 years? This is Sean King. You are listening to The the, the Breakdown. The the Breakdown. The, the, The Breakdown. Did you know that to properly provide for their families, most people need 10 times the life insurance coverage than they get from their employer? If you don't have life insurance or you're just looking to get a better plan, Policy Genius has you covered. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers in one place. You can save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes just with Policy Genius. The licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies. So you can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying process. I've used it. I love it. It's simple and easy. Head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Like millions of Americans, I've been watching the painful, traumatic trial of Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin and seeing so many witnesses have to relive the terror and pain and in some ways shame. Many witnesses have said that they are struggling with the feelings of guilt, that they did not do enough. I mean, the only thing that they could have done that they didn't would be to have thrown their bodies onto the officers, onto, on, onto George Floyd, and there's no proof necessarily that any of that would have saved George's life. But these men and women and children witnessed a man be lynched. And what we're seeing at the trial is the sheer terror, pain, grief, remorse of 
what it means to have witnessed in 2020 a man be murdered in slow motion, lynched in slow motion. And as I've watched the trial day in and day out this weekend, the expectation is that this trial could go on for maybe two to three weeks. As I've watched it, and yesterday we saw for the first time the body cameras of the officers who were there, I don't understand for the life of me why they were just now released. Thankfully, many cities and counties and states across the country now have policies and laws that force body camera footage like this to be released. Whatever the case we saw in the body camera footage yesterday, and uh, Chris Stewart, uh, attorney for the family of George Floyd, first sent me that footage. And what we saw made our blood boil because while George Floyd was screaming that he could not breathe 27 times, on one of the body cameras, you can now see something that we had not seen before because it was happening in part behind the car. Derek Chauvin was pulling up the handcuffed hands. George Floyd is laying on his stomach with his hands behind his back, handcuffed, which hurts all by itself and has been proven in autopsies and medical examinations to contribute to asphyxiation and to contribute to the death of many people who've been handcuffed on their stomach with their hands behind their back. Then you put four grown men and their weight on top of George Floyd. While Derek Chauvin was doing this, we would hear George Floyd scream out. We now see Derek Chauvin away from the cameras was pulling up and pulling back the hands of George Floyd over and over again, almost as a form of torture. And as he would pull back the hands, George would scream out more and he would pull them back more and George would scream out again. And as I saw this, my thought was, how, how in the world could any jury sit through what we're seeing of eyewitness after eyewitness after eyewitness say that they saw a murder, that they begged the officers to stop, that they asked for permission to help a a woman who worked for the Minneapolis Fire Department, begged the officers to allow her to intervene. And she testified yesterday on what she would have done had they allowed her to do such a thing. And yet they refused. Even after he stopped breathing, even after he stopped moving, even after he was laying there motionless, they refused to let up. And I asked myself, how could, how could a jury find this man not guilty of the crimes that he's been charged for? And then I remembered 30 years ago, another murder, uh, rather another police assault that was caught on camera 30 years ago when multiple officers, at least four officers from the LAPD, brutally beat Rodney King within an inch of his life, 
literally hitting him with clubs over and over and over again, battering him over his entire body and ballooning his face up with wounds. And they found the officers not guilty. Like, it's a, it's a preposterous reality. How? How did they find those men not guilty of a crime? It was clearly a crime. And you have to remember that in this country, one, it is true that they moved the case out of Los Angeles and up to a suburban, predominantly white, wealthy county. But beside that, that in this country, there is a long, painful, twisted history of people who have murdered and maimed black people, sometimes even entire black families, from slavery to Jim Crow and lynching all the way through George Floyd and murders that have happened by police and white supremacists just over the past few weeks and months and not been held accountable. And my question is, since we clearly have not progressed since the beating of Rodney King to be a place where black people are not murdered and maimed and harmed and beaten by police and others, since we clearly have not progressed in that way, have we progressed in another way that the men who do such things will be held accountable? I've said it on here. I've said it across social media. I'm still holding out some degree of hope that this is possible. Yes, I have walked, personally, I have walked Hundreds of families through this process over the years. Only for us and only for these families to be disappointed at a level that is unspeakable. But each time I still allow myself to have a small semblance of hope that some type of justice is possible. I'm so grateful for the witnesses who are having to put themselves through hell this week to tell the court what they saw. It's a, it's a disgusting exercise that they have to go through these motions, that they have to really relive and sometimes be very, very detailed about what they've seen to be explicit about what they saw and heard and felt and lived on that day. That we have to go through all of this just for the small chance that an officer will be found guilty for the obvious crimes that he committed. It's painful. And I've seen many people all over the country and around the world say how much trauma this trial has caused, how how painful it is. See, now, man and woman and child cry on the stand 
bear their heart and soul on the stand about how this has changed their lives, caused them pain. And so we will keep hoping. And you've maybe even read an article that I wrote. If not, you can go to the northstar.com and check it out where I talk about what it means to hope against hope, hope against all odds, hope against predictions. And um, it's a wild thing, but let's keep on pushing. Let's keep on hoping, praying, believing. And let's keep all of these men and women who are suffering through this trial, including the family of George Floyd, let's keep them in our hearts. Let's encourage them and support them in any way we can. I'll be back tomorrow as we close out the week. I'll give some more specific reflections on the trial of Derek Chauvin. And tomorrow I'll play what I think are some of the most important audio clips that we've heard this week. Love and appreciate you. And if you're not yet a member at thenorthstar.com, we need you. We need your support to be able to not only produce this podcast, but to do the work we do each and every day. Again, join us at thenorthstar.com. Take care, everybody. Break it down. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we are the Momentum Advisors. Every single week, we talk about wealth management, personal finance, and entrepreneurship. We are financial advisors by day. We're entrepreneurs by night. We're building wealth for ourselves, and we want to make sure that you understand how to build wealth in your own family. Tune in for shows like Is Your Money Racist, Retirement Savings, Investment 101. We literally run the gamut on all the things that you need to know about financial wealth, creating a legacy for your family, and really just wealth creation as a whole. What we find is that these conversations are happening, but they're not happening as much as they need to in diverse communities. And so we're bringing a new voice, a new amount of energy, and we want you to tune in. So we bring the tips, we bring the strategy, and we always bring the good news. So make sure you tune in every week to the Momentum Advisors. There's something for everyone. Momentum.